Hello there. It's time for another episode of Pod People's Podcasts for people who make podcasts. I'm your host, Tyler Green. Now, if you remember, in the last Trends episode a few weeks ago, Rachel, the CEO of Pod People, and Anne, our head of business development, walked you through how to win a client and how to negotiate with a client to make sure that your contract works for all the parties that are involved. If you haven't heard that already, I definitely recommend that you start there and then come back to this one. Because for today's episode, we hear part two of this client management mini-series, How to Keep the client. Just doing the work isn't enough, especially if you're remote. So Rachel and Ann have some tips to keep the client happy and some tips on what to do if you're not happy. Here's Pod People's fearless leader, Rachel King, with more. Today, we're going to talk about how to work with a client once you have won them and how to keep them, assuming that you like it and they're a good client. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Otherwise, we can also teach you how to fire them. How to fire them on our next episode. (laughs) Yeah, but for today, we will assume that you like working with them and you would like to continue doing so. Okay, so Anne, what are some of your best practices? Say you've won the client, so you've begun working with them. What are your best practices for making sure that everything goes smoothly during that process with a new project, for example? Yeah. So whenever you're entering into a new project with a new client and you're not really sure of their workflow yet and their best practices, it's always best to be super over communicative as much as possible. So that comes down to making a really thorough production schedule, having really clear deadlines and dates set from the start. And again, back to my favorite point, have it all in writing. So if you have this, you know, timeline client, two days to turn around an audio edit, if they miss those two days, then well, it'll become delayed. The production schedule will be delayed. And so having all of this stuff in writing first and foremost is super important. Also, establishing a main point of contact for the client. You might have two or three key stakeholders that you're dealing with, but there's going to be one person that you want to funnel all communication through at all times. That way things don't get lost. So instead of emailing three different people, you have the one main point of contact. So you can say everything will go through this person. Yeah, we've had projects with 10 stakeholders. Yep. (laughs) So then it's even more important to have that one point where you can go to them and say, hey, I need you to corral feedback from your Mm -hmm. side or whatever it may be. Yeah. Really getting that ally from the other side is super important. And then when it comes to content management systems, really trying to integrate yourself into their content management system, whether they prefer Airtable or Google Sheets, being flexible to their needs is super important and really establishing that in a kickoff call. And again, being amenable to their changes. So if they decide, you know, actually, we really prefer this one system and you might not be as familiar, taking the time to familiarize it with with yourself because that way it leaves less room for error on their part so that the bulk of the project is more in your control. Also, I really recommend having weekly check-ins and sending progress reports. Even if not much has happened this week, even if you're still in the same holding pattern or a pre-production phase, really just sending just updates on this week. Here's what we're going to be doing next week. Just to be overly communicative at first, just to, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but the more you can communicate in the beginning of a project, the better. And the more you can start to understand their workflow. And then you can end up pushing things back to maybe bi-weekly check-ins or whatnot as the schedule allows. Yeah. So what if you're being super over-communicative, and still the client is dropping the ball and missing deadlines, then what do you do? 
Well, unfortunately, that does tend to happen from time to time. And so it's really important to hold your ground and always reference everything that's been in writing. So if they are dropping the ball and said, well, we didn't know we needed to give you feedback within two days, you can say, well, I put in the production schedule and I sent a reminder in our weekly check-in. So because of that, delays will be scheduled accordingly, or these are my overtime fees. So really getting all that in writing and establishing in your contract up front. I think I said this in the contracting phase, but really making sure that you clearly define, all right, what are your rush fees and when do they come into play? What are your weekend fees? What's the approvals process like? All of that needs to be in writing because the biggest thing is money speaks. So if the client really is dropping the ball, really quantify for them how much this is costing them Mm -hmm. as a way to push back. I think that's super important. And to protect yourself and your time. Yeah. It can be so helpful to say, great, no problem. If you're going to be three days late with your feedback, then we are going to need to push the launch date back three days or here is my fee to work over the weekend to make up for the lost time. Mm -hmm. And that, especially once you do it, you can even give them one freebie in the beginning if it's something where it's not a huge deal and be like, FYI, we're going to eat the time this go round. But if this happens again, like here is what, you know, our fees or this, what it will mean for the schedule. And that can be a good way just to like almost give them a warning Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that they know not to do it again. It ingratiates you to the client too, to be like, usually I would charge for this. It's baked into our contract, but this will be a one-time, you know, gimme. (laughs) Which can help keep a good working relationship because it can be contentious when they're consistently missing deadlines. Mm -hmm. So that can be helpful to be like, listen, I'm trying to be a good partner here, but you need to be a good partner to me too. Yeah, for sure. And then Rachel, I'd love for you to sort of go into what are some best practices in order to keep your client? Like, what if you decide you want to keep your client? What does that process look like? Well, I think the first step is actually to evaluate whether or not you do want to continue on. So say you've been contracted for a 10-episode first season, and then they want you to do another season. So first, you need to look at, was I paid fairly for the amount of work that was done? Mm -hmm. If you went above and beyond on anything, did they compensate you for extra time? Hopefully, it was written into your contract. So the answer is yes, and Mm -hmm. they weren't, you know, annoying about it. But making sure, like, if you all had agreed on a project rate, let's say that assumed each episode would take 10 hours to produce and they took 15 hours to produce, then you would need to renegotiate going forward and say, you know, I, like, continually each episode took X amount of time and so my rate going forward would be Y. And they should be okay with that. Did you get good communication from them? Did they hit deadlines? Or if they didn't hit deadlines, were they fine with pushing back the timeline or paying you extra? And are you okay with that? Even if they do pay you extra or are okay with the timeline moving back, like you still are a freelancer who budgeted, you know, three months for this project that now is taking five or six months. Is that okay with you? Mm -hmm. So these are all things to think about. And then just, did you enjoy working with them? Do you have a good working relationship? Was there mutual trust there where you feel good about entering into a business relationship for round two? And then also, do you like the project? And Your fees should be directly correlated to how much you like or feel passionate about the work, I think. And this we see all the time, like you're more inclined to reduce your rate a little bit if it's something that really speaks to you or, you know, is coming from a nonprofit where you really care about their mission, but they might not have the funds to pay you your full rate 
Whereas if you're doing a show for a big corporate client who has lots of money, but maybe it's not the most interesting thing you've ever worked on, then you can double your rate and be like, this will make it worth it for me. So, you know, take it or leave it. (laughs) And that I think are the different kinds of things that you want to evaluate before you would continue entering into a second season or a second go round um, and, and make the necessary adjustments to your rate or your scope of work. Mm -hmm. that's super important is making those adjustments. And again, like, like I said, put it all in writing as much as you can get things in writing, the better from the start. And like, especially when it comes to recording your hours, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but like, be sure to say, even if they're paying you a project rate and the estimate, like Rachel said, was 10 hours, make sure you write, well, it ended up taking 15 and here's why. And to to get things in writing, like sometimes you might have a client who prefers to talk on the phone. If that's the case, then whenever you get off the phone, shoot them an email with three bullet points. Like just wanted to jot down the three things that we decided on this call were A, B, and C for the record. Do you agree? And just get them to write back and say yes. And then you still have a record. That is such a good point. A handshake is not a written record. And when it comes to money, you need to make sure you've got everything in writing just Mm -hmm. to be safe. And then what about securing the job for round two? So let's say you evaluated the project. It was a great working relationship, fair pay. When do you start dropping little hints about or attacking head on the client and basically saying, I want to you know, be here for season two. I want to continue on with this project. What are your best practices for that? Yeah. So this is kind of like winning them again, winning the client again, but it's easier this time, right? Because presumably you've gotten to know each other, you figured out a system, which means you're like ingratiated to the process and hopefully they like you and they like your working style. So I think definitely like communicating your enjoyment of the role and the project and that you're excited about it and that you've enjoyed the process. That's great. I think speaking up sooner rather than later. I mean, obviously you want to start off the process on a good foot. So you wouldn't have taken the project unless you were excited about it. So, you know, throughout, I find that positive encouragement and reinforcement will also help your client like stay excited about the project. Because remember, they're probably working on six different things. This is just one part of their job. You know, it might be 10% of everything that they oversee. So that can be helpful just to keep them engaged and keep their attention so that you get everything that you need from them in order to make something great. I think also bringing new ideas to the table for not only the content, but also like the workflow or the structure of the show or how to schedule recordings in a way that will make your host's life easier or let's deliver drafts every Monday and then I'll want you to give us feedback by Wednesday or Thursday. And then it's just an easier schedule to remember. You know, stuff like that can be really helpful. So come with those ideas for, you know, season one was great and here's what I think we could do in season two, both in the content and in the work to make sure that everything is even better. Mm -hmm. And then you do need to get a contract for season two or project two, whatever it is. So make sure that you get it in writing and signed the same way as you did the first go round. Even if it's just, you can do an addendum that's just, you know, for X number of episodes, but make sure that it still includes your rates and every, any extra fees and all of that. And if you really enjoyed the process and the project, you can even pitch yourself for a larger role. You know, say, I would like to take on more of the story editing, or I could handle the talent booking for, you know, a relevant fee. 
Yeah. So you can actually win yourself a larger contract and even more business if you liked what you were working on. Yeah, that's a really good point. The re-upping for the next season is such a good and important time to really try to grow your role if you can. Mm -hmm. And yeah, putting your best foot forward and really quantify your success. Say I did an excellent job on season one. As you can see, you were super happy with the product. I really think that I could grow into more of a senior level role, take on more responsibilities. That's really an important milestone. Mm -hmm. And then our favorite topic, what if you want to pull the plug and leave the project? What if you've evaluated and said, eh, they're not for me, or I have a better offer elsewhere? What's a graceful way to to have an exit strategy in place? Yeah. I mean, there are could be a lot of reasons for this. The obvious one is that they don't have enough money to pay you for the scope of work, especially if the scope of work was larger than what you agreed upon, and yet they won't increase your pay in accordance with that. That's a big one, obviously. Also, if it was a bad working relationship, you know, and this doesn't mean that they're a nightmare client. It could just be that they don't get you the materials you need or the feedback you need or the revisions in order to do a good job in a timely manner. And that just might not work for you, you know, or they could legitimately be a nightmare client. (laughs) You know, we've, we've heard crazy stories in this industry and, It could be that they're literally, you know, yelling or the host is just such a bad actor that you don't want to continue on or they make it impossible for you to do your job in one way or another. You know, if the expectations just are not in line with what is humanly possible, that certainly happened. Mm -hmm. But you always want to leave on a positive note if you can. You know, it's great to not burn a bridge if possible. And so what I like to give as an excuse, so to speak, and it might be true as well, is that you just no longer have bandwidth in your schedule for the project or for round two. And that also might be the actual reason. But no matter what the real reason is, I think this is a graceful goodbye that you Mm -hmm. can say, you know, I enjoyed our time together. I hope I've given you a wonderful blueprint to carry on with the show. But from here on out, you know, I've accepted another role or another project. And so I won't have time to move forward with you. You can even offer to, you know, create sort of a handbook for them about what you were overseeing. You know, if you had logins to anything that someone might need, sort of pass the keys. But if they were a bad actor, then you don't have to do any of that. You can just say, peace out. Thanks so much. Uh, Never again. Goodbye. You can do that, but I would always recommend to try to have a graceful goodbye up until you get paid because that's the most important thing. Have the graceful goodbye and then peace out of there. Absolutely. And if you can even try not to let them know that you won't continue on with the project until after you've gotten paid, I think that is also helpful. Mm -hmm. Not that, I mean, it's the rare client who would just flat out refuse to pay you because you weren't coming back for another season or another pilot or whatever, But just, you know, better safe than sorry. Yeah. And if that happens, tell pod people and we'll let the world know. (laughs) Yeah, we absolutely will. Those are definitely the most important lessons we've learned and that we wish our community knew. Yeah. And sometimes it might seem pretty simple or straightforward, but all the advice we're giving is just so important when it comes to having a good relationship and protecting yourself and making sure you get your payout and making sure that you're treated fairly. So it's really important to just make sure, again, just to recap, to get everything in writing at all times, Mm -hmm. follow up with emails and have a a graceful goodbye and make sure to get paid. (laughs) Hell yes. (laughs) 
Rachel and Anne truly are the most professional at client management. In case you missed any of their wisdom just now, here are some key takeaways. One, communication is key. Two, we've said it before and we will say it again, get everything in writing. Three, evaluate your working relationship before signing up for round two. That includes your scope of work and your rate. Four, please, 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 if you have to end a working relationship, don't burn that bridge if you don't have to. On next week's episode of Pod People's Podcast for People Who Make Podcasts, we spotlight another community member. We just can't help it. You're all so darn fabulous that I want to talk to you all the time. And next week, we shine that light on MR, who is a queer bilingual audio storyteller, a justice-based producer, and a storytelling consultant who also happens to be a chef and a metalhead. For me, it's really centering the experience of the storyteller that I'm working with and making sure that I'm honoring their experience and what they want to get out of it and that we're not going in and digging or scratching at wounds that are really hurtful. And if we're going to have to go in that route, that we're being very delicate. The Pod People team is Rachel King, Ann Fuse, Matt Sav, me, Tyler Green, Andrea Perez, Danielle Roth, Sammy Reed, Isabel Genius, Ashton Carter, Alexa Brooks Major, Stephanie Bashara, Devin Wilson, Priscilla Verlin, Madison Lusby, Brian Rivers, and Erica Wong. This podcast is edited by Katie Claxon and mixed and engineered by Erica Wong. As always, links to everything we said in this episode are available in the show notes. We're on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and now a little thing we're calling the Pod People Circle. Haven't heard of that? Well, join the Pod People community and we'll tell you more about how to get access. Go to podpeople.com slash join to become a Pod People community member. Or send us an email at hello at podpeople.com. And as a reminder, we are here for you. Have a great day. I'm sorry I yawned right when you did that. That's all right. <laughs> it's on a separate track.